1: Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Live from Southern California, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's of Kings of the Podcast! Buckle up, here we go!
0: the podcast episode 19 of season two db the season's cranking along it's 24 ish games in the books now and uh we're catching up we're at episode 19 already
1: yeah you know it's funny but Mayor, i got a uh, mid midterm grades column coming out we're almost to the uh, corner i do have a, a column for tfp every six games but i did my midterm games Mayor, one of the most fun games you've ever seen <laughs> in the for the Kings over the last couple of seasons last night in Anaheim.
0: Well, it's funny you bring that up because I have the exact opposite reaction to that game. I thought that it was one of the most frustrating games. I'm sure we'll get into that. Uh, we're bringing on uh, our guest today, our, our, actually our unofficial Anaheim Ducks correspondent, one of yes. the many, uh, because we had Felix on earlier in the year and he was fantastic. This is the, the other side of the coin. We're going to bring in uh, Mike Hammer from Violent Gentlemen. And we'll talk Kings, we'll talk Ducks, and then, DB, we have a whole slew of Kings and Ducks things to talk about in the sure. third period. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll compare and contrast our notes from, uh, from that game. You found it exciting. I found it excruciating. So, uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll, see. We'll, we'll get into that. Uh, today's episode, by the way, is being uh, recorded and coming to you live from Dave the Hammer Schultz Studio. Now, DB... Uh, This is a good one here because a lot of people um, probably, you know, they're missing out on all their Flyers talk this year. We're not getting to talk Flyers because the Kings and Flyers are not – Uh, They're not playing this year because of the the way the 56-game schedule is put together. But, you know, there is a long, rich history between the LA Kings and the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, of course, Hammer's wife, Carlin, who uh, she's the daughter of a former Flyer. So I could have gone with him. But I went with Dave the Hammer Schultz only because, you know, Hammer and Hammer. So it seems to make sense to me. But, you know, for the people that don't know about the connection between the Kings and Flyers, you know, newbies think... It all ties back to Mike Richards, and that actually is not the case. Uh, The two teams not only joined the league together in 1967— Uh, The actual very first Kings game was against the Philadelphia Flyers, which of course they recreated and and paid homage to um, at their 50th anniversary. And the Kings shared a lot of players with the Flyers early on. The Kings sent two of their more popular players in the early days uh, to the Flyers, Cowboy Bill Flett, Eddie Joyal. Uh, That was in around 1972. And then in 1976, Dave the Hammer Schultz joined the list, but he came the other way. Instead of going to Philly, he came from Philly. And for people that don't know Dave the Hammer Schultz, I mean, I, I know that our buddy Earl Skakel uh, could, could talk at length about the Hammer. Uh, in a, as is a rookie DB, in 72-73, as a rookie, he led the league with 259 penalty minutes. And he almost doubled that two years later when he posted, check this out, Do you know this, DB? By the way, do you know about his penalty his penalty minute record? I do. Okay. Yeah, I do. Four (laughs) hundred and seventy two penalty minutes. I can't even say it without laughing. Four hundred and seventy two penalty minutes, DB, in a single season. Six per game. That's (laughs) That's like one fight per game. (laughs) When you When you think of the Broad Street Bullies, of course, you have to be thinking in part of the Hammer. he had 232 penalty minutes in his only full season with the Kings. He was only here for a very brief time. Uh, but that those 232 penalty minutes, uh, that is a record that stood for 10 years until it was eventually broken by Tiger Williams. Of course, Kings fans, longtime Kings fans um, will remember him. And here's another great reason to bring that up, DB, knowing that you and I are both aficionados of pro wrestling as well. And this I don't know if you know. Uh, he was involved in a match once WCW, uh, at the Philadelphia civic center, which was a match between the nasty boys and Kevin Sullivan and cactus Jack. He was the, uh, the referee back in 1994. And I had,
1: did you know that? No, I had no idea. Jay, that's.
0: Yeah, one time. One time he got involved. I mean, it was outstanding. And so uh, I had Dave the Hammer Schultz on Mayor's Manor back in 2010, which is crazy to think about it now. It's over a decade ago. But it was long before the Mike Richards trade and the whole thing. And uh, he came on and he talked about that as well as uh, talking about a number of other things. His time with the Flyers, his time with the Kings. People should go look that up. Uh, Dave the Hammer Schultz. It was outstanding. He he came on when the Kings were going to play the Flyers. And uh, we teed up that game and, and, and talked about some memories of the past. And speaking of Hammer, but the more recent version, DB, we're going to have him on in the second period. He's been a guest on Kings of the Podcast a number of times, and uh, he can talk with us about uh, more more recent hockey happenings. But before we get to Hammer, I, I want to address a couple of things right up front, uh, Dennis. One is that... There were, there were a few people that had an interest, I'm going to call it an interesting reaction to our comments about Daryl Sutter being hired in Calgary in the last episode. And basically, uh, they, 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 they felt that we were being disrespectful to Daryl in the sense that they thought that we hated Daryl. And they were like, how can you guys hate on Daryl, the guy who brought two Stanley Cups to the LA Kings? So I have my retort to that. Would you like me to go first or would you like to respond first?
1: I would certainly love you to be the the leadoff hitter, Jay.
0: Okay, so here's my quick response to that. No, we don't hate Daryl. We have always tried to be fair and honest in our coverage of any player, of any coach, or whatever. And I would like to believe that for as long as uh, we've been around, DB, you and I, one thing that we share in common, we disagree on many things, but the one thing that we share in common is we believe that we tell it like it is. And when it comes to Daryl Sutter, I'm going to give you the good, the bad, and the ugly. He was very disrespectful at times. He was very difficult to deal with at times. Um, he was also a mad genius and he was the perfect coach at the perfect time. I give him all the credit in the world for turning the LA Kings around and making them a Stanley cup champion. Not once, but twice could have even been more had things sort of gone a different way. Uh, but Daryl was very difficult to deal with. And the other thing that is kind of the elephant in the room that we were talking about is he has a disdain for American born players. And so, um, that's what we were talking about. That's my two cents. Dennis uh
1: I agree with all of you, all of what you just said, and I'll embellish it by saying, look the player, at the end, the players hated him. They tuned him out. It was, and I, I said this before, John, he could have been a coach for life here. You went two rings. You should have been able to dictate when you were leaving. Mm-hmm. And he didn't do that because he never took his foot off the pedal. Yeah, he's been disrespectful all the time. And it's not just us, John, there are other reporters that that thought that act, more real thin. I can think of a guy like Nick Katsnika who writes for NHL.com. He thought that was, he's always disrespectful to that. So yeah, look, we're trying to do a job. We get it. It's tough. Sometimes we get called out, whatever. Like, and I just question if he can still be an effective coach. And John, here's, here's the situation today. Their first practice 35 minutes into the <laughs> practice, a bag skate. You think that's going to work in 2021? I don't know. Like, they weren't lining up to hire Daryl Sutter. And it wasn't a situation like Gerard Gallant or Pete DeBoer. They yeah. weren't lining up for this guy. It took four years and probably one franchise. He says Chicago. It was probably just one franchise. So, yeah. yeah. Can we take shots at Daryl? Yeah. You want to take shots at us for taking shots at yeah? He And we said it both, John. He's a family man. You remember Chris Sutter and what his impact was on this franchise. So to not, and again, when the microphones were down, he was a good man. He was a family man. um, He was easy to deal with. But once the microphone's up, he put up this fence. He never took it down. So that's the criticism. If you don't like that, we're not disrespecting his body of work. My point was, hadn't he been able to take things in stride? then he would still probably be the coach here. He could have probably coached here for life. He's beloved by the fans. I get it. And fans want to – hey, look, made me partially famous because I was the one that asked the question about flying at 11. And, you know, John, there's still that, that great um, synopsis of all, the, mm-hmm. of all his quotes, and you were in it as well, right? Sure. So, again, it's not disrespectful to what he meant to Los Angeles, how he'll go down. Right now he's the greatest coach in L.A. history, mm-hmm. in L.A. Kings history. I get that. But he's not a perfect man, and we're all not perfect. So at the end, there were reasons why he was no longer teaching. But it's not disrespecting the man. It's just his methods – are at times questionable, and I question if they still will, you know, resonate in 2021.
0: It's funny that you mentioned Kristen. It's because I didn't plan on sharing this, but I will. Uh, I was texting with a former LA Kings player uh, the other day after Daryl had been hired. A couple days after Daryl had been hired, we, mm-hmm. we we text periodically and check in on different things, and we just happened to mention that. And this this was the comment that stuck with me. Uh, he said, "Yeah, I texted Daryl last night. Happy for him. Chris has to be pumped." And so it's so funny because I thought of Chris, you thought of Chris and even the players uh, who played for Daryl, they think of Chris as well. And it was one of the first comments uh, that was made in the, in the conversation. So super happy for Chris Sutter. And, uh, and you know, for Daryl, good for him. Um, you know what? I, the one line, and I tweeted it out during the press conference, the one line that he said that resonated the most with me was unfinished business. And I don't know if they have, I don't believe they have the roster to finish the business that he's speaking of. Uh, but you know what? Hey, people probably counted out the LA Kings in 2012 as well. So who knows what's going to happen? Uh, best of luck to Daryl. And, uh, you know, it, it was not, it was not, uh, it, it wasn't good times when he left Calgary. It, so it had to be, it had to be tough, uh, you know, to leave Calgary, and so it is. It's unfinished business. So go back and finish the job, and who knows, who knows what's going to happen uh, from here. Moving on from Daryl Sutter, uh, point number two. Speaking of adjusting in in the times of twenty twenty one, DB, how about today, uh, the the post practice. Zoom call today, you had asked Drew Dowdy, Hey man, what do you uh ha- how how do you like in this whole new setup? Are you tired of Zoom yet? <laughs> what did he have to say? I like it. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I hope you don't come in the dressing room anymore and we just <laughs> keep doing it this way. Or maybe we can do face to face like uh, conference room type things, but we like keeping the music on and after the wins, you know? Yeah. Well, let's be clear about let's be clear about this, Dennis. He was not joking, and you could tell that Drew had put some he was waiting for that question. You could tell that yeah. he's been Thinking about this because he he had it all lined up and he was rather serious when he was talking. He's like, "No, I don't want you guys back in the locker room. We like the music, and uh, you know, I hope you guys never come back in." He was he was he was very serious about it. TB.
1: And then to back the bets, we had Adrian Kempe on with me and Steve Coolis on SiriusXM this afternoon. I'm sure the Kings really uh, staged that because I was hosting the show. Because mm-hmm. as we know, I, I, I have a love affair with Adrian, and Steve Coolis asked Adrian, says, "You know." Uh, Drew wants Dennis banned from the locker room. Would you agree with that? He goes, yeah, I would. (laughs) So there's two people that want me out of the locker room. And although we kid about it, John, no, it's a situation where the players, from what I understand, like having the room to themselves, like having the music allowed. And maybe the PA presses for a situation like they have at the International Hockey Federation, where there's restricted zones and restricted access, which really isn't good for the fans. So while we joke about it and kid about it, and I agree with you, I teed up Drew and he just hit the ball out of the park um it could be a situation where it impairs our access to players and it's a very controlled environment you only get one or two questions to, to two or four maybe be one or two players every um every availability which mm-hmm. isn't great right? you yeah. should be able to go in and walk in. i mean i don't think it's going to get to that point so while it was classic drew dowdy here like there's a bigger concern that you know for the fans sake they should hope that we get back into the locker rooms and i'm sure we will start next season
0: yeah, I'll tell you, DB, I, I really don't like it. And I'm not I'm not here to get on a soapbox yeah. and snivel and say Please, that we deserve it or because that's not the case. I mean, we're, we're blessed. We're very lucky. We're very fortunate yes. to have access to the players. So I'm not coming at it from an entitled perspective. What I'm trying to get across no. is this, is if you want good coverage, then we can't continue to only have access on Zoom. It's very, very difficult to provide good coverage because some of the best stories that I've ever written, some of the best stories that have, that, that fans, that have resonated with fans and that fans enjoy reading, they, they weren't off of uh, what I would call a controlled scrum, meaning in a scrum environment, all the quotes are shared by everybody. So if we're on a Zoom call uh you know you're on the call i'm on the call you know whoever there's 10 20 50 100 people it doesn't matter how many people are there people are on the call and we're all sharing the same quotes when you go into a locker room the best conversations that i've ever had are one on one with a player it's not when there are 40 people around and microphones are there the players you know we've talked about Daryl, uh, you know putting on his act i won't say the players put on an act but the players are definitely more guarded when there are a bunch of people with microphones in their in their face uh, because, they, you know, they don't necessarily know exactly who's there and who they they're speaking everybody. with. But, right. you know, you have personal relationships with players. I have personal relationships with players. And I would say virtually anybody who covers a team on a regular basis develops some sort of relationship with different players. And... It's those relationships that allow you to get good stories, to get good quotes, to to tell interesting sides of things. And let's be honest, this is a league that needs all the publicity and attention that it can get. Yeah. This is not the NFL, right? So in order to do that, Dennis, we need access to the players. And it's great when they come on Kings of the Podcast, and we do. We have a lot of fun with them and and whatnot. Sure. But. Part of the reason that we can have fun with certain guys is because of the relationships that we've developed outside of Kings of the Podcast. It's not like they come on the program and it's the first time we've ever talked to them, and it's like a morning radio shtick. That's not what this is. Yeah. So no. – um while I certainly appreciate where Drew is coming from and the privacy of the room and, and that sort of stuff, and I don't know what the solution is, and maybe it's, you know, open the room at practice, but not after a game, you know, I, I don't know. I'd be okay with that. Maybe there's a happy compromise somewhere in there, but it is it is very sterile when even Drew's solution, which was to do... um the the conference room type thing like when you go to a big nhl event they don't open the room that's how they do it so if you go to the outdoor game like in in colorado for example or even at dodger stadium they bring the players into um you know a conference room and you get you know a couple of players and you get to ask your questions but again it's it's really just a face-to-face zoom is all it is it's not you you don't have that one-on-one interaction uh with the players that you do you know otherwise so that's my that's my two cents on it
1: no and and to give further context and we love that. And that's a new KOTP word of the of the year, context. Like so, so people and, and sort of this making it a love affair, maybe it will be right now. Like what makes you you, what makes you the mayor, is if, if people saw how we operated in the room and saw how you work, John, it, it's the point in time where, where you get those great stories. I can even visualize it right now. There's six or seven people standing around. <laughs>
0: well, DV, don't you'll... give away my secrets. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And, Well, unless they get in the room, and I'm not going to copy what you do, so maybe one or two other reporters <laughs> might
1: do. But the great thing about you, John, is that like there'll be six or seven people around Kopitar or Brown after a game, and there'll be other places, in the room, and then you'll just break away from the pack and saddle over to, when he was here, a Clifford, right? Or, or, or whomever, or Quick or whatever. And that's when you get... That's where you get the juice. That's mm-hmm. where you get the meat of the story. Mm-hmm. Like that's how you operate. And that's how you get those great stories. It's it's a relationship. And then you can go one on one because yeah, they are guarded when there's seven people around, but when they're talking to you or me, it's a different conversation. Right? Well, so I get it, I understand. And that's 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 the art of what we do.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's also where trust comes in, too, because a lot of the things that those guys are sharing with us and that we're talking about in those one-on-one moments, such a large percentage of that never gets talked about publicly. So it's hard to develop trust with a player when you're only talking to them on zoom. You're not even a face on zoom. You're, you're just, you're just a, a microphone Like you're just they're They're talking into a void. So yeah, enough of us uh, complaining about, about zoom. Uh, it is what it is in the year 2021. Uh, we'll have to see if Drew Doughty gets his wish. Uh, you know, as much as Drew says that I, I I do just think that he's not looking at the bigger picture. And that is, he does love a good audience, you know. Drew, yeah. Drew <laughs> Drew's good at telling stories, so uh, I think after like while he might be enjoying it right now, I think after a while he would miss us coming in there and and, and giving him the opportunity to uh, you know sort of own the room and and speak his mind. Who knows? We'll I, find out.
1: I couldn't agree with you more. I agree with you. Yes.
0: Well, let's uh, let's bring somebody in that we might not agree with very much. Uh, Mike Hammer from Violent Gentlemen. He will of course come in and uh, tell us about all things going on uh, behind the orange curtain with the Anaheim. Ducks and what's going on with VG, our favorite hockey brand. So after the break, Mike Hammer from Violent
1: Angeles.
0: All right, welcome back, Second Period. And joining us now, Mike Hammer from VG Hammer. What's happening?
2: Boys, what is going on?
0: Well, we feel like we have a lot to talk with you about today. It's been a while. Uh, I, I think, because I, the conversations kind of blur together when we've talked to you on air versus off air, but I think that you've gotten yeah. married since the last time we had you on the pod. I don't know. We can talk about that. But I know the number one thing you want to talk about right now because you were bugging us about it last time. With this appearance... You now have set the record. You have been on the program more than any of our other guests. So congratulations. Uh,
2: I'm going to have a championship belt made right now.
0: Okay. There
2: you go. I'm, I'm sending the email while I sit here. I'm the king of the king of the pop.
0: You are. You are
2: for sure. Uh, <laughs>
0: Kings and ducks. They, they reengaged last night uh, in their second game of, of their eight game series this year. Let's just start yep. there. What, you, what are your takeaways coming out of that game?
2: I mean, okay, going into it, I I sort of, I mean, you know, the Ducks the ducks have been on a bad tear, and fine, you know, that's, that's neither here nor there, sort of expected this season, you know, and then a couple crucial injuries on defense. It's like, eh, okay, I'm not hoping for the best, really. I mean, I'm hoping for the best, but who knows what's going to happen. Somehow these teams, no matter how good or bad one of them is, the Kings-Ducks games are always good games. Like mm-hmm. it brings out the best, so I was kind of excited. I was like, okay, it'll be fun, you know, whatever. And then pulling out uh, this Bjornfoot kid and putting in McDermott, I was like, Oh, the ducks might have something here. Cause I was like, I just feel like putting that in essentially to I mean, you're neutralizing Nick DeLaurier.
1: Mm-hmm. Great
2: dude. Great dude. I think he I don't think he broke twelve minutes. I think he played like eleven something minutes. Just so switching a defensive assignment for that, I was like, "Okay, this is an interesting call." And I think it, I think it panned out well for the Ducks. Um, it was, it's just it, it, a typical this season Ducks game. They get a lead, they blow it. Somehow they won in overtime, and a little, a little window into the future, Zeger looked real nice on that <laughs> goal. Looked real nice, and I was very excited about it. Um, it was an interesting time in our household. Yeah. Okay, so big picture, hammer. Um yes.
1: Today, I believe in the Orange County Register, vote of confidence yep. for Dallas Eakins by Bob Murray. Your thoughts?
2: So the the Ducks are te- uh, So personally, I think when you when you say you know onus is on the coach, onus is on the coach. When the GM has had zero you know, has had zero onus on him of essentially the team he built and the team he puts on the ice and says, this is it. Like at this point, the coach is also a pawn in his game rather than like, it seems like Bob's feet, it's, it's, it's been as hot as ever. And there's no talk of Bob going anywhere. So it's almost like, I, I don't know if I put a ton on the coach because these are the pieces he's given. And the one thing I will say, I, I do not understand, and I, uh, to be honest, we're we're in meetings all day today, so I didn't get to see if Dallas spoke of this at all. But the fact that Zegers is getting whack ice time is insane, and I don't know if that's a, I mean, maybe you guys could shed some some higher end hockey knowledge light on this. But I don't know why you would take a kid like that and not just play the fuck out of him.
0: Well. One of the reasons is that he's not ready for the NHL. So you, you have to treat those kids with gloves and that's what they've been doing. They've been they've been trying to manage his minutes, manage the situations. Look, here's the thing, and fans don't want to hear about the future. Everything is now. We're in an instant gratification society. Uh, Kings fans are oh, going through absolutely. it as well with with Byfield and Turcotte and you know everybody rush everybody rush everybody. Not just fans. Okay, not just fans. DB 2 on his hashtag play the kids. <laughs> you know just just trade everybody, put everybody on waivers, just play play everybody. There's a 14 year old kid playing in Orange County right now that should be on the Kings too, as far as everybody is concerned. Look, there's no. I mean, de-
2: I mean he could have he could have he could have helped last night, probably. <laughs> okay,
0: there's no denying <laughs> that Trevor Ziegris has all of the ingredients to be a future superstar. Uh, hell, the kid's already had his own bowl at Chipotle. I mean, he's he's a superstar in the making. That's big, that's big time. Did you try the bowl, by the way?
2: No, I did. If it was anywhere else, maybe. I'm not a huge Chipotle fan. Okay. And uh, I'm also, like, I looked at it, and I was just kind of like, that's cool they gave him this, but, like, it's Chipotle. Like <laughs> okay. you could literally just you hey. literally <laughs> tell them what to do. Like, it's great for him. That's cool. He got a deal. I hope he secured the bag and got a little got a little payday out of it. But yeah,
0: hopefully there was. I, an in- was.
2: I wasn't rushing out for it.
0: Okay, well, hopefully there was. A, hopefully there was an envelope involved uh, for him for sure. But yeah, yeah I mean, look, the kid's a superstar, absolutely. but uh, you have to you have to ease him into the lineup. It's not something that. Um, you know you're not just going to put him on the top line and let him go uh, but i mean i guess yeah. why not if you're anaheim why not what what do, what are you playing for at this point is anaheim making a playoff push
2: um i mean i would say i would say no right i would say no but this year it's insane because i mean you know you look at the normal you look at the normal season and you go what are the most important games inter interdivision games mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. that's those are the must win four point games Every game this the season is the most so it's like any anybody could take it. Anybody you know, we just saw uh, announced today uh, Darcy Kemper out mm-hmm. for four weeks. Yeah. So you you know the eyes of some of those lower teams kind of lit up a little bit like, okay, do the coyotes start to drop out of it? Like that's where this is gonna be. The if if Vegas can keep winning games and the teams at the top can keep winning, it's just a straight dog fight between these like these lower teams. Anybody could... the the fourth team in could be anybody Mm -hmm. like it's going to be it's going to be a super exciting end of the season i hope and if the ducks make it cool i don't i don't i'm not i don't have a ton of excitement for the playoffs i don't i don't know how well it would go but i will not be anybody that's in that fourth spot won't be a surprise
1: okay so they're not making the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's, let's, let's be real here. Okay, they not making a play. So let, let's make it sound, because they, they, they've they played three more games than everybody. They're chilling by four. Yeah. And not only, the thing that's screwed them is Minnesota. Minnesota's playing great right now. They're on the run. Yeah, so yeah, Let's yeah. make the assumption that we get to the trade deadline in April, and and I'm going to give you a couple of names, Ham. okay? Yep,
2: yep, um, yep. Yes yep. or
1: no, deal them. Ricard, oh. Ricard
2: Ricard. Oh. Ricard, Ricard's tough, man. It's like... I would be the worst GM ever because I just – I I assimilate to, like, great people. And Ricard is, like, the, the sweetest person ever. I don't know. Like, I don't know what the – like, I I hated putting Henrique on waivers. I thought that was – he is another, like, great dude, great in the locker room. And I, I just don't feel like that's – I mean, I, I guess I'm new school mentality where I think – I don't think punishment is the way to teach or do anything, and I thought that was a terrible move. So I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like you deal. I don't feel like you deal, Raquel. Yet. I mean, last night he went off. He's he's been looking pretty good.
1: Yeah, well, plenty Kings. Um, so uh, so you wouldn't like so you want Henrique on the team? I'll give you another name, Hampus Lindholm. Okay.
2: Hampus. I mean, fuck. That's another tough one. Um, another great dude. Uh, the sweets, they're just so nice. Um I mean be the I all of these. Oh absolutely, of course I would. But the the other reason this is tough is it's like is without knowing what the return is. So it's like would you know, would I deal Hampus for, you know, some picks and a bag of hockey sticks? Like probably not. But would I deal with him was part of a deal for, you know, it's him and a few other things for this big piece that's going to totally change the game? Sure. That could be anybody could be a part of a deal like that. And I would be excited about it. Well,
1: I'll give you I'll give an example, Ham. Okay. Okay. If he was at the top of the deal for, for Philip Forsberg, would you do it?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would. Okay. Um, so there
1: is circumstance for, where you would trade the guy.
2: For sure. But I think that's anybody. Um, and, I mean, there's just people, but, like, also, my brain is so shot that I've look at i looked at the sport as which people have terrorized the Ducks. And Forsberg, I feel like, is a terror. Like, he is a dangerous at all times player, much like uh, there was a, a little bit of an off moment for him, but like a Kopitar. Like, Kopitar, you know, the, the team had, you know, the, the lefts, whatever that was, the the real dark time. But it's like he has been like forever. He gets the puck and you're like, oh, shit. Like, he's going to do something. And Forsberg kind of has that vibe. Like, he's dangerous at any time.
0: All right, let's 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 put a pin in the hockey talk for just a quick moment because whenever we have you on, we also want to talk a little business. We also want to talk about VG, exciting times at Violent Gentlemen right now, celebrating a big anniversary. You're breaking out all these yep. collabs, and you're doing some really cool stuff. I love all the stuff you're doing with Gus, by the way. Um, I need to get down oh, there now that he's you. doing appointments and stuff too and, and try to get some work done by Gus. Love love what he's doing. Oh, yeah. And he's blown oh, up. It just seems – Oh, he's, he's, he's going crazy right now. Um, but here, just talk – the last time we had you on – uh, we were talking yep. about what was going on in 2020 in the middle of a pandemic, and you were you were rather optimistic uh, at the time, and just said, "Hey, businesses just found a way to sort of shift and pivot, and while retail might not be there, you know, online was 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 going in a big way." You guys did have to close yep. the the store to the public, as we talked about, um, but that has reopened yep. recently. So, just give us sort of the the update. What is what has this pandemic forced you as a business uh, to do differently that you guys might continue to do moving forward because you, you found out something, you know, you stumbled upon something really cool.
2: I think we, so yes, the store is reopened and that is great. It's amazing getting to see people again and see some, some fans that we haven't seen in a long time. Like that aspect is great. We essentially the, the, the pandemic times of operating essentially just reasserted that we were We were right in the way we built our business, which was, it was built on, you know, having great relationships and first and foremost, being good people that people will want to deal with. And that's like, you know, that should be number one, not always for some people. And that we're online based and based around building this community via the internet and not so much via retail. And those just floated us all the way through. Like it was... It was amazing. We connected with a lot of great people through our social and all kinds of stuff and, and I think furthered our relationships and this following that we have and continue to put out great stuff. And so we, we parlayed that into this year, we, are, we turned 10 in November, which is insane. Mm-hmm. And so every single month, we are coming out with a collaboration or a super specialty item they will come out on the 27th of every single month at 10 a.m. And the first one was like you talked about with Gus and Luke. And I think the apparel sold out in, I don't know if it, I don't know if the apparel made it to the second day. Mm -hmm. I think it went, it went quick. And so we're kind of, we're having a really good time with it. And, and trying to turn that 2021 is all things looking far more positive than 2020. And I think we're just trying to lean into that and have a great time and be like look life is coming back we're all coming back let's let's celebrate
0: a little bit and the kings of the podcast collab that's coming out soon too right you know what's funny my man I have <laughs> Here we an go. item
2: in, I have an item in my hand I'm looking <laughs> at it right now that when we're done I'll be texting you to ensure size and address. Uh, it's 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 not the it's not the collab, but it is something you're going to be very excited about. Great, and I'll I'll just say it, it comes out next week, um, so you'll be the first to hear. We are uh, our super coveted flannels that people love. It's about time we came out with we came out with a bri- a bright orange
0: one okay here we go really and <laughs> and, and you want to tell I've that story one. do you want to tell that story about when you sent me the or- right. <laughs> the orange stuff <laughs>
2: i'll send you i'll send you orange everything. Yeah. because i know deep down you know it's a great color you know it looks good I saw, I saw that you pre-ordered that Zegers jersey. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're ready. I mean, I mean, you want to, you want a glimpse into the future. Take sure. a look at that, at that one little subtle stick handle that Trevor made okay. that had, that had Drew Doughty, uh, Drew Doughty sliding around. Sure. Look, looks fantastic. Really. I don't
1: know. All right. So, so let's talk a little different part of business. Mayor, I don't know if you know this story. Please. So it's the, it's the middle of the pandemic. It's May. Yep. It's May 22nd. It's my birthday. And you can't go out, can't do anything. And PJ, the lovely PJ, my wife says, yeah, I got a surprise. You. you got some people coming over. I'm like, okay, who, who would want to come over and just hang out in our backyard and whatever?
2: Like, who comes rolling down my
1: hill, hammering, Carlin, mm-hmm. to help me celebrate my birthday? That's the type of people they are. They came over and- That was,
2: out. let me tell it you, just, I yeah. I should have got an extra stamp in my passport for getting to where Dennis was.
0: <laughs> I always tell him but, I have to stop and get gas on the way. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible.
2: So buy, okay, hey, that's so a great call. Here's, here's the bit
1: of
0: the question. But,
2: Pat, Pat, yeah. how yeah, different
1: yeah. is- being engaged or dating Carlin, then being married to her. What's changed in your two lives,
2: if anything? Um, nothing at all. I think we. I think what we. What we built with each other and the way we treat each other and operate together as a team. Uh, the getting getting married was such a like formality, and we realistically just wanted like we were just sort of like yeah let's do this. But our lives have, have you know not changed at all they you know etc cetera. Et cetera. It's, been, it's been the same like w- which is great marriage is great um the only change was when when i will say that carlin said when she got when she got her ring which i i, I personally custom, custom designed it no big deal um <laughs> when she got it and started actually wearing it she was like i feel she's like although you and i are no different she's like I feel when I'm in public, like an adult, like I'm married, I'm grown. Like she was like, it was a moment where, mm. where outwardly it felt more grown up saying sure. my husband, like, as it should, like, it felt like that for years with us, but now to actually say there's a certain, like, you know, weight to that of saying, Oh, this is my husband, you know, whatever you, this is great. And, uh, and so it's, that aspect of it's been, been amazing. Just sort of getting that to where we always knew it should be.
0: Well, congratulations again, but it is weird when, yes. to, to have her say, my husband Hammer, cause you're just, <laughs> you're just Hammer. You're just a dude. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're nobody's husband. I but. <laughs> know. I know. I know. That's the, that's the, that's the joy of these things is this fun and, and you know, what have you. and And going back to Dennis's birthday, there's, there's not a there's not a lot of people that I would drive super far for. Um, you two are definitely a couple of them that I get a, a date and a location, and I'm like, all right, let's rock. And it was amazing. Your backyard's incredible. Um, no one lives a, a more luxurious life than BB. I mean, we we know that. Come on, he's into horse
0: racing. Jesus, he's he's not only into horse racing. He's a Kentucky Derby winner. I mean, come on, I know, Ken, yeah, Kentucky brother, Derby I winner. Backyard. What'd you put in the backyard?
2: A hot tub. Oh, did you really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It took. I six might be. Months I might be back. Hot tub in the
1: pandemic. <laughs> yeah. It
2: took six months. Yeah. We ordered it in June hey? and
0: it came in December. So yeah. Hammer. Hey,
2: perfect for the perfect for his name.
0: Hammer. Let's get back to hockey. Uh. Yeah. Please. What about what about the AHL? You, I know you guys uh, have done some collabs with with a bunch of the teams and whatnot. You you were already sort of embedded with the Ontario Reign, but. Um, This is a unique year in the American Hockey League, especially for the two teams we're talking about, because the Kings and the and the Gulf, excuse me, the rain and the Gulks excuse me, uh, both of the teams relocated from their home arenas in San Diego and Ontario to play out of their parent clubs, practice facilities. And uh, the only way to really watch the games this year, of course, is on AHL TV. So I'm curious, uh, are you watching those games on AHL TV? Are you watching the kids? What do you think of them uh, so far?
2: I am, I am watching them when I can. Yeah, we became, violent well, and Gentlemen we became official AHL partners this year, which we're super stoked on. And not just, like, obviously we do a ton of stuff with the rain and a ton of stuff with the goals. And they are both incredible organizations. Obviously, like, what the Ducks and the Kings have done locally to grow the game it's unheard of and it's like it, the opportunity wouldn't exist somewhere like you're not growing hockey in Toronto mm-hmm. everyone knows like you're good what they've done here is incredible and then going down that level to the AHL it just goes even further and they're amazing they're the best people to work with super open-minded we we love it every everything about the AHL is incredible um so I have been trying to watch a little bit on AHL TV it's awesome I think I mean the, the the arena side, obviously, at uh, what's it called now? It's not Toyota Sports Center. Uh,
0: where the Kings play. In that realm. The Kings play at yeah, Toyota, S- Toyota Sports Performance Center, and then their real arena in Ontario is called Toyota Arena.
2: Not confusing at all. I'm glad that they kept <laughs> it at that. <laughs> um, that place, obviously, you can't have fans in, mm-hmm. but we watched watch games together at the Irvine Rink the goals could straight up play there and that, that arena is beautiful. Like it is, it is top notch. And I hope, I hope that they, obviously they're not going to, they're not going to be there full time. It doesn't have the amenities things they need. I don't see why they wouldn't just play a few games there every season, especially with the rain, knowing closeness, they can fit a good amount of people in there and it just makes things a little bit easier for, you know, your families, your, introductory hockey fan is like oh i can spend 5 bucks 10 bucks on a ticket take the family see mm-hmm. some live art like i think that could be such a good tool in growing and getting some new fans um well when they had the I, rookie I loved, tournament
0: there it was fantastic when the nhl i mean you it had six stopped. teams oh it was oh. great it was yeah. great
2: that was that was so fun man that was that was really cool um while i'm thinking about it i need to ask you guys you both a question and uh, and i need to know why this hasn't happened yet because I think it would, I think it's the it would, the biggest thing ever. If I've already mentioned it to you, I'm sorry, but I think about it all the time. So when I my first hockey game that I went to was soon after uh, Gretzky got traded to L.A. My uncle said, "I want to ta- want to take I want to take Mike up to L.A. Go to a Kings game." Okay, great. I go up there, and we went to the Forum. How have the Kings not played? at least a preseason game at the forum.
0: Well, the remodel, they remodeled the place. So they took all the ice out and they, and uh, all the ice making equipment and everything, because remember they sold the forum and for a while it was a church. And then after that, eventually MSG bought it back or whatever. And then now what Steve Ballmer owns it or whatever, because he had to put his new, new Clippers arena there. So uh, who knows? Maybe, maybe at some point they would. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, how, how hard would that pop? If the Kings went, we're wearing
2: retro jerseys, and we're going to play three preseason games at the Forum. Oh, people, You don't think that goes completely bananas?
0: Oh, it, of course it would. I mean, people people already freak out for the Gretzky-era jerseys. You know, they're wearing them a couple times. Um, oh, yeah. Coming up That's against great. against the Ducks. Oh, you want to talk about things that that should have happened that, that didn't happen? What is wrong with yep. Anaheim, and why won't they wear their reverse retro jerseys? By the way, I mean, it's, it's hot garbage. Come on, the Wild Wing thing. Get out of here. But... That's not the point. I, yeah. okay. The point is this though, the reverse retro jerseys, when this whole program first came about, they were, were going to play games against each other, reverse retro, right? Double reverse retro games. And then that whole thing sort yep. of fell apart during the pandemic and the 56 game schedule and everything else. And the reasons that we've largely heard is because people, teams, I should say, don't want to take extra laundry on the road. Okay, I kind of get that. If you're on a road trip, you don't want to have to take that specialty jersey. Fine, makes sense. Um, but the Ducks sure. and the Kings are 30 minutes apart in Los Angeles. They're busing, right? Just like last night, the Kings played in Anaheim yep. last night and then they went home and they practiced in their home facility yep. today. And then they're going to bus back to yep. Anaheim tomorrow and, you know, et cetera, when they play later in the season, how hard is it when the Kings are wearing their reverse retro for Anaheim to wear their reverse retros as well? Because, uh, it just doesn't make any sense to me.
2: Here's the only, the only thing that I could think of personally is I don't know where it was in the actual standings of sales, but the Ducks sold out of their reverse retro
0: jersey. So did the and Kings. I
2: don't know where, so, so I think part of that is they're not going to, they, why put extra work into marketing something you can't sell?
0: No, hold on. Hold on. I, I, well, fine. That makes sense right. on one level, but we're missing something here. They put the schedule yep. together at the beginning of the year. So when they put the schedule together and they said, "Oh, these are the five games or four games, whatever it's going to be that we're going to wear these jerseys," Kings Ducks. I mean, how do you not wear them in a Kings Ducks game? When when they wore the Wild Wing jerseys back in the '90s, they wore them against the Kings. That was the big deal. Why wouldn't you want to wear the reverse retros? I don't get it. I don't understand it.
2: I agree. I would like to see more of them. And I think it was I think the reverse retros are a truth balloon for some teams where they're like. We want to go this wild design route or a different design route. Let's throw this little truth balloon out. Let's see how it goes with the fans. See what, if it's bad, we're just like, oh, it's just a reverse retro. Like, sorry, no big deal. (laughs) If it pops, then you're kind of like, okay, we've got our new, we've got our new line. Are
0: you thinking Minnesota Wild here? That's where I think you're going. Is that,
2: oh my God. I wish, I wish so badly. I do think some, I think, I think the Flyers. I think the Flyers
0: start to lean towards that. Eh. The Flyers jersey doesn't do anything will. for me. It just doesn't. It's funny you bring up yeah, the Flyers I, because we were talking Flyers in the first period. We named the studio today after Dave the Hammer Schultz. Uh, you know, of course, whoa. we could have could have gone with Carlin's dad, but we went with we went with Hammer in honor of you. Um, and you know, hey. I, it's, the Flyers jersey just doesn't do anything for me.
2: But I, I'm impartial to it because it is the design that Carlin's dad wore reversed okay so it so i that's that that's where i I think i mean nostalgia is what sells. sure and i think that's where a lot of flyers people like that's the last time flyers fans were truly happy was that (laughs) those teams of the 70s you know what i mean like that's what you always hear about like if someone's like oh i'm kind of new to hockey what's the deal with philly you're like oh so in the 70s they're crazy you're like what the fuck has happened since you're like Giroux sick other than that, not great. Okay, um, hold on,
0: <laughs> that's it. Gee, that's it. That's the only, that's the only guy. <laughs> Come I mean, on, they had, the lead, they had the Legion True. of Doom. They had Ronick. They had uh, Eric Lindros. They had John Leclaire. Uh, you know, I mean, what Sean is, Couturier. What is, what is
2: Ronan?
0: Oh, Ronan. I mean, so far, so. Yeah. So check-mon. far, you're naming, a,
2: you're naming a ton of people without cops.
0: Okay. All right. Oh, that's where it is. Okay. <laughs> All right.
2: You, you, give me a, you, talk,
0: you start talking to me about a Chris Pronger. Okay. All right. Okay. 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 You, do, you do realize that Jeremy Roenick was a top five power forward in his generation. So if you, if you compare yeah. him to his contemporaries, JR was legendary. Now, I don't care about all the antics since then and the stupid comments, and that's not what we're here talking about. We're talking about as a player on the ice, yep. JR yeah. was legitimately top five, maybe top three players of his generation. It's true. Okay. It's true. But, and, and as a Flyer, but, he was he was legendary for what he did to his body to play for the Flyers. So they appreciate him in Philadelphia.
2: Yeah, I'm sure. I'm, you know what? I will say this. Anyone that makes any sort of dedication as a player, the fans remember there, which mm-hmm. is insane. Because, I mean, when you're a storied team that's had so many people, like, so Carlin was interested, like, do people remember my dad in Philly? Mm-hmm. And she made a video that she has on her YouTube where she literally went to a Flyers game and straight up profiled, like, this is an old dude. Let's see if he'll remember. And every old dude she went to was like, oh, yeah, Frank Bay. <laughs> like, right <laughs> away. I want to see this video. And- this is on
0: her YouTube page?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's incredible. Oh. Everybody's like, oh, yep, he did it." Like, fully new. And she was like, oh, my God. Like, these people are savages. They remember and I'm like, yeah, Flyers fans, Philly sports fans get a bad rap, as they should, but there's a lot of good ones in there.
0: Mm-hmm. I think the same about Boston. Yeah. When you go to a Red Sox game and oh, you and you gosh. sit with fans, like there are obnoxious fans, Yankee, East Coast fans in general, right? Yankee fans, Red Sox fans, yep. whatever. But yep. I have never been around a group of more knowledgeable fans. Than Red Sox fans, they they are and they're they are, they're generational. Like you have an eight year old kid sitting with a ninety year old grandpa, and and they're just running down the history of the Red Sox. It's it's like getting an NBA while you're watching a game. It, it's unbelievable the knowledge I, of these people.
2: They are Boston, Boston sports fans are brutal. Absolutely, it's probably uh, the accent plays into that. It's it, it's very abrasive. And that's fine. <laughs> Come on, but. <laughs> It is. And that's okay. That's what they're doing for That's fine. Lean into it. That's okay. But I will say, when our when our good friend, uh, Matt Bolesky, signed with the Bruins, we went and visited him, like, I don't know, six months into him being there. And he said, I can't believe how great it is to be here. He goes, I'll you know, be walking around Boston. And he goes, Boston fans will see, you know, whatever, a couple, Matt and a couple of the guys – after a game or the day after a game, whatever. And he goes, very rare people bother me. Mm-hmm. and will say, can I get a photo? Can I do this? He goes, they keep walking and say, great game last night and keep going. He goes, they it. see me and my wife and the guys were out having lunch, hanging out. They don't want to, they don't stop in time, but they understand we're part of the community. We're off work today, you know, and they let us live. They recognize. They say, "Hey, what's going?" Hey, I saw that big hit last week. Great job! He's like, and they keep going. Love it. And that's. He's like, it's amazing. They almost like treat you like you're not a celebrity. You're not that like you're part of the, their community and their world. And you're in. And, and when he told me that, when we went there. I was like, this is this is great. What yeah. a what a great group of people.
0: Well, Hammer, you're part of our community here on Kings of the Podcast, uh, so we appreciate you stopping by, spending 30 minutes or so with us today. It's always good to catch up with you, especially here in the middle of this this two-game set between the Kings and the Ducks. So this will be game three coming up next of their eight-game series. Uh, the Ducks have so far taken down the Kings in both of the first two games. You want to call your shot? What happens on Wednesday night when uh, they get going again at the Ponda? I feel
2: like after a game like this, the next game, I don't know which way. We could flip a coin which way it goes. It's a 2-1 game.
0: Okay. So it's 2-1, but but you don't have a lot of confidence in your Ducks at this point to say that they're going to win the game.
2: I just, I just, I don't, I'm not, I mean, I'm not coming in, obviously, with this Ducks club and saying, oh, they're coming in, they're beating that. Like, if you told me, if you pre-game, maybe, I would have bet my house that they weren't going to score six goals last night. So, I mean, that was insane. So, so I feel I feel like I would have bet Dennis's house for sure. That's easy. I would have done so that. Now, hard so,
0: okay, so since the last game was on uh, went over, you're you're taking the extreme under in yeah, the next I, game.
2: I'll I'll take the under. I feel like the coaches today, like Dallas, wasn't happy about that game. Like the coaches are not happy about that game. I feel like everyone's getting tightened up today. They're watching video on what all the things they fucked up here and there, and because I mean, you saw the goalies. The goalies didn't play terrible games. It was missed no. defensive assignments, right. odd man rushes. It was things that are like, dude, you're just hanging guys out to dry, mm-hmm. left and right. I mean, the Dustin Brown goal, it was like, guys, we how are all of us? There's, we're already down a guy. Let's mm-hmm. try to have one guy kind of looking around, maybe, like, <laughs> it, and and that was it. Was all it was all missed that Dustin didn't eat it took such a little effort from Brown. He didn't even celebrate the goal.
0: He didn't even smile. Like, uh, <laughs> did, did that count?
2: Was the, was, he just went. Yeah, he just Brown? went full. He just went full Adrian. Adrian Kempe, and was just like, "Oh, that was cool." <laughs>
0: uh it's been fun hammer we'll have to we're not sure when we're going to have you back on because we need to have a couple other guests make some return appearances to catch up with you so that we don't want you to get too far ahead on on the leaderboard so you're in the lead right now you've been on kings of the podcast more than any other guest and we'll see when when we're uh, when we schedule you back
2: hey you guys do whatever you got to do to give everyone else a chance okay and i'll be just i'll be just out here I'll be, I'll be the king of the pods, Trevor Zegris. I'll be one level ahead. The only way to slow me down is to put me on the bench, and that's fine. Okay. And that's
0: fine. All right, Hammer. Thank you so much. It's been great <laughs> chatting with you, and uh, we'll look for your text messages.
2: Appreciate you guys. I can't wait to see you. All
0: right. Can't wait to see you. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thanks. There you go. Right, Mike later, Hammer boys. from Violent Gentleman. We'll be back with more after the break. back to the third period of kings of the podcast with db and the mayor third period dennis i'm exhausted i don't even know where to go from that uh always great to hang with hammer uh whether it's over the phone or in person and man that's 30 minutes that uh really brightened up my day
1: i'm shipping in an oxygen tank after that one john i need some i need some oxygen if going 30 minutes would have but just a great guy you know obviously married to carlin so it's just a, always fun catching up with him and just one of our best guests of all time
0: yep yep for sure uh db before we go any further let's make sure that we give a shout out to our buddies over at manscape they do a great job of supporting the program and in case you guys don't know covid spring break is right around the corner you should know what that means Spring break in your pants, according to Manscaped. So they're here to ensure that the party in your pants never stops. To help you get ready to party this spring break, we have an exclusive 20% off discount. Use code KOTPNEW. That's KOTPNEW at manscaped.com. That's good through the end of the month. And uh, if you listen to our show, you guys know Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the Essential Lawnmower 3.0, which is waterproof, has a cordless body trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your grooming routine. DB and I have the products. We use them, we like them. Uh, that's their best trimmer, on, and it's actually the best one on the market. Uh, if you need to get in some manly grooming, pick it up. It's the third generation trimmer. It has the cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents, thanks to their advanced skin safe technology, which, of course, was pioneered by Manscaped, used by millions of people worldwide. You can also um, adjust the settings, get different lengths, do all sorts of stuff and be sure to use their crop cleanser, which is the body wash to keep your hair and skin feeling healthy and fresh. Plus check out the crop reviver, which is a spray on toner. And for a limited time, Uh, kings of the podcast subscribers can get two free gifts you get the shed travel bag that's a $39 value added on and you get the patented high performance reduced chafing boxers that we've talked about uh, several times on the program so get 20 percent off plus free shipping use the code k-o-t-p-n-e-w at manscaped.com again k-o-t-p-n-e-w at manscaped.com do yourself a favor always use the right tools for the job You can get that 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using K-O-T-P-N-E-W. And DB, hopefully something will be N-E-W come uh, Wednesday in Anaheim because the Kings, we talked about it in the first period, I had a different impression than you did. I found it to be a very frustrating game. The Kings did not start on time. They were able to claw their way back in. I've seen this movie several times already over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and it's not about clawing your way back into a game. It's not about showing character. It's about coming out. It's about getting an early lead. It's about putting your foot on the throat of the other team when they are as bad as Anaheim is or was coming into the game. Uh, and there are some, some storylines uh, coming out of that game as well, DB, uh, at practice today. Toby Bjornfoot who was scratched and at the time when he was scratched everybody just sort of thought that it was a time for Curtis McDermott to get into the lineup then come to find out Toby might be a little bit banged up McClellan says that he's going to uh he expects him I should say to play on Wednesday do you have any concerns about Toby Bjornfoot at this point
1: no I don't I think that it's just a 19 year old kid going through the trials and tribulations of his first full NHL season so no concerns about him uh just uh Look, this I mean, point, I
0: meant concerns I, if he's not in the lineup. But maybe I should have asked the question differently.
1: Oh, concerns about him not being in a lineup with respect to them defending? Yes. Yeah, of course, yes. Because Olmada and Curtis Mcdermott aren't really some good options at this point in time. So yeah, it, it does it make them a lesser defensive team at this point? Yeah, even though despite the kids played what twenty some odd
0: uh, NHL games,
1: yeah, he, he the, the the his the options aside from Bjornfoot, are not quality options, unfortunately.
0: Well, one of the things you can do is you can put Austin Strand into the lineup, and he was recalled this morning uh, to play on the, you know, forget the taxi squad or whatever. He's recalled to the NHL. He could potentially draw into the lineup, and that would mean that only Mata or McDermott, one, not both, would be in the lineup if you played Austin Strand.
1: Depends how they want to pair these guys. It's the simple as that. know, the, the one thing to me that's a little bit more disappointing, Mayor. you could talk on this a little bit more, is not seeing Clay up here. I mean, mm-hmm. I know he's gone down there, and I think, according to you, he hasn't really done that well. But I, I would have liked to see him get more of a run up with L.A. What do you think?
0: Well, it's, it comes down to those roster spots, again, as well, is really what it boils down to. When, when everybody is healthy, they have their seven spots on D full. And again, that would be Mikey Anderson and Doughty. That would be uh, uh, Roy, Walker... Um, mm-hmm. Mata, McDermott, and and Bjornfoot. So that's why they came into the season planning that there was going to be a rotation between Bjornfoot right. and Clegg. Yes. And we expected to see a kind of a 50-50 split. But as I reported on Kings of the Podcast a, a week or two ago, it seems like they're very happy with Toby Bjornfoot and they want him to play the rest of the way. So if that's the case, they would have to carry an eighth defenseman in order to right. get Clegg in. You know, one thing that you could do, uh, this is not about Clegg uh, specifically, but one thing you could do back to your earlier comment, DB, is you could play Strand on the right side of the third pairing, and you could move Walker over to the left. Remember, he did play on the left side with Doughty last year, so he could play on that second pairing, so you would have Anderson and Doughty on the first pair, you would have Walker with Roy on the second pair. And then on the third pair, you would have either Mada or McDermott on the left with Austin Strand on the right side. But to your point, you could also call up Kale Clegg. You could figure out how to maneuver the roster around, and you could still, you know, you know, could carry eight defensemen so that you don't lose McDermott uh, to a waiver claim, or, or Mata. You have to keep him for the expansion draft. So you could have eight defensemen. You could put Clegg in there and, and to replace Bjorn Foote if he's not available to go. Well,
1: what do you think of Clegg when he was up here, John?
0: I thought that he, for the most part, I thought that he played well. I thought that uh, right. I thought he got better and he got stronger. But the one yep. sort of thing that concerns me, he does play a little bit timid at times, and that's going to make an NHL coach, especially an experienced NHL coach like Todd McClellan, a little bit nervous and a little bit worried. Bjornfit just plays with a poise about him that Clegg just doesn't have at this particular point. Got it. Um, so I haven't thrown, you know, you know the baby out with the bathwater, as they say. I, I haven't given up on Kale Clegg. No, 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 <clears throat> but I just think that there's a poise about He needs to get into the dirty areas a little bit more. He needs to not play as timid and uh, sort of resort. He tends to uh, sort of resort back to the home plate, if you will. And he needs to get a little bit more involved. And I think that, you know, maybe because of Toby's size, but also just because of his experience as well uh, in playing over in Europe and playing against men where, you know, Clegg is still coming out of junior two years removed so it normal this is one of the reasons why it normally takes defensemen till they're about 24 25 years old to fully mature their bodies mature and they're physically uh, ready for that game and they have that, you know more confidence but if this is what I think if Cale Clegg went down to the American League and was uh, imposing his will on the other teams and forcing the issue and basically saying, hey, LA Kings, look at me. You need to call me back up. I need to be in the NHL. I would have been more impressed. And he's playing a little bit more like he's waiting for them to call and he shouldn't be waiting for them to call. He should be forcing the issue. And this this sort of uh, is good advice for any of the young players right now. You can't be hanging around Uh, and and sort of waiting for your opportunity. You have to seize your opportunity. So Matt Luff can take this same advice. He was waiting on the sidelines for quite some time, finally got into a game. Great, yeah, he scored a goal, but he needs to do a hell of a lot more than just score that one goal in his two or three games. He needs to stay in the, in order to stay in the lineup, he needs to be imposing his will and making an impact in every game. And you know, Todd talked about this. I hope that everybody was listening. His last answer, I believe, to the last question in the postgame last night, he was talking about players who have their minutes cut or that don't play significant minutes in a game. And his comments, Dennis, were about, hey, you can be, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, you can make a difference on the bench. You don't only have to make a difference on the ice. You're on the bench. When Kopitar comes back, when Brown comes back, when Dowdy comes back, you need to keep those guys hyped by complimenting them for a hit, for a face-off, for whatever it is that they're doing out there and keeping them engaged and excited about what they're doing. Everybody likes positive affirmation. And so Todd was encouraging guys who weren't getting Kopitar-type minutes to still engage from the bench. And I thought it was great advice. And I'll tell you, if I was a young player, I would have taken that advice to heart. And boy, I would be the number one guy that's out there uh, for the next game. And I would be leading from the bench, if you will.
1: Yeah, hey, Todd used the word, or two words, a phrase houseplant. He saw some guys houseplants on the bench last night, which, yeah, it's the wrong guy to cross. You don't want to make the Todd father upset. So yeah, it was a really, really... uh Great point to make
0: there. Okay. A couple of other things here uh, related to the lineup, DB. How about the goaltending? So Jonathan Quick, uh, this is ironic only because it happened on Saturday night, the same night as UFC. There was a very controversial uh, decision that took place in UFC on Saturday night while the Kings game was going on in a championship fight where the champion need a down opponent in the head and it caused uh, a disqualification. It was a big deal with all Jermaine Sterling and, and, and uh, Peter Yawn, the champion and here the almost exact same play took place where Gabe Velarde knee to the head of Jonathan. I just thought it was ironic that it was taking place. uh, I don't even know the timeline of, you know how close it was to the same time on the clock, but it was still, it had to be pretty close Um, late Saturday evening. At the end of the game there, Gabe Velarde, uh, you know, unintentional, same thing, gave a a knee, I shouldn't say same thing because the the champion did it on purpose, it was a downed opponent, but um, the point is, Gabe Velarde, knee Jonathan Quick in the head, and it sort of slipped by most people, myself included, uh, at the time that it happened. However, when Quick didn't show up for, and Sunday was a day off, so people really weren't thinking about it. But when Monday rolled around and Quick didn't show up at practice, all of a sudden then it was like, wait a minute, let's roll the tape back and see what's going on here. Quick was not at practice on Monday. He was not at practice on Tuesday. Would lead me to believe that he's not going to take his turn in the rotation on Wednesday, Dennis.
1: Yeah. Well, Gabe was dominant at both ends of the ice. He kneed Quick out of the game and then got up and made the – play to feed uh, Kempe for
0: the game winner. So, there you go. Well, it, look, that play was so beautiful that it was very easy to forget about whatever took place, you know, 200 feet down the ice uh, with Jonathan Quick, if anybody did see it, because Gabe has really, uh, I used the phrase impose your will earlier, Gabe has really started to uh, become much more noticeable. You might remember a couple of weeks back on the podcast, Dennis, I said that over the last 10 games, I thought that he was one of the best players on the ice, even though it wasn't showing up on the score sheet. We are seeing Gabe Velarde making an impact on a nightly basis right now.
1: Yeah, some of the game, some of the plays he makes, John, with the Specta controlling the puck and warning. There was that one shift I think against St. Louis where he held the puck and fought off three different blues. Like you see these glimpses, now they're going to happen more and more. Often. And John, I still go back. I just gave shoot the puck more.
0: <laughs> How did I know you were going to say that? <laughs>
1: I'm like, please, like last night, he didn't no shots on goal in a six five game. Like, I get it. Like, he, you see, he's growing. You, John, you you know what happened here, right? That comment he made about either you're good or bad at face offs, mm-hmm. that was that was the tipping point because you know he got a pretty stern talking to after that, and he then did. things just clicked in, right? Mm-hmm. I think that that that's what happened, and so now you could see that this is. This is a kid who's evolving, who's gonna be a dominant player at this point in time because there are plays that few centers in this league can make that he's already making. So again, Gabe, shoot the puck. But other than that, you see the strides he's made from let's say game twelve to game twenty four as a person as opposed to his first twelve.
0: DB, he hasn't even played 50 games yet in the National Hockey League, so it's way too early for me to say I told you so, but I do just want to remind everybody, this is the player that I've been telling everybody for the last couple years, this is the number one ranked prospect in the organization, period. There's nothing to debate. There's nothing to discuss. Everybody in the organization is on the same page. Gabe Velarde is the number one prospect in the organization, and if he can uh, develop into the player that they believe that he can be, he is going to be a dominant player for the LA Kings. He is, there, there's no question about it. So it is exciting from a Kings perspective to see him blossoming so early, like we said, even before he has uh, hit the 50 game mark. So a bright future ahead. Dennis, um, let's end the program today with a whole segment uh, taking in some fan questions. A lot of questions coming in on Twitter. So let's try to answer as many of these as we can very quickly. Uh, one of them, do you think that fans will be able to return to Staples before the season ends? Uh, i'm going to say if they make the playoffs fans will be inside the building db what do you think
1: i think it's a 50 50 shot if they don't make the playoffs that we might get maybe 10 or 15 percent of the fans in the building so i'm crossing my fingers and toes that we can even in regular season get people in the building
0: okay uh how awesome is it to hear your song played at staples center (laughs) um uh it's great that's wonderful that's an easy one um do you have anything to add to that db
1: No, it's every time it goes on. I play the, I take a video of it and tweet it out. But it's it's again. We know how to thank for that, John. Right?
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh, if you were if you were the GM, would you make a big move at the deadline, or would you make it during the off season? So I think we differ on this, DB. I would make it in the off season, okay. and you would make it at the deadline, right?
1: I would make it. There's no calendar attached to making a big. If it if it's a player of consequence that you can acquire, look a, a deadline move to get a rental. No. Absolutely not. I think we're on the same page there. Yes. I don't think there should be a, a calendar to getting a, a top defenseman or a scoring winger, um, given the fact of the parameters that you set up, John, right? The age, the term, the, the ability to control For me, I do it at any point in time. Would it more likely come in the offseason? Yeah, because the players that we're talking about aren't probably going to be available until decisions are made by other teams. But if, something, if there's an ability to pull the trigger on a substantial player, I would do it whenever
0: yeah well that's true there is nothing stopping them from doing it it's just not part of what the what the the playbook is at this particular moment but they the handcuffs are off there's nothing stopping them from doing it yeah, um, what does Robleski bring to Ontario that Stuthers did not? Uh, I love this second part to this. If already answered, please feel free to point me in the right direction. Thank you uh, for allowing us to do that. We will, we will point you in, in the direction. We've, we've had Robo on the podcast twice. We've talked about that. We had Stuthers on the podcast after he uh, was let go or his contract was not renewed, whatever you want to call it, um, by the LA Kings. I would just say this. Uh, what he brings is a fresh voice. And Rob Blake, when he came on the podcast, was very complimentary of Mike Stuthers. Uh, Mike Stuthers was very complimentary about his time in the organization. Wonderful coach. Very accomplished coach. Um, helped them, you know, led them to a Calder Cup. Uh I think everybody that's listening knows what, how I feel about Stutz. Um, he's one of the, you know, three people that I respect more than anybody else in the world of hockey. So tremendous amount of respect for Stutz. Uh, it, it's just, it was a, it was a function of them wanting to go in a different direction uh, with their development. And uh, they wanted to hire their own guy. Uh, you know, Stutz was a bit of a leftover from before, from the Dean Lombardi era when, when Mike Fuda was there as well, who helped bring in Stutz. They had had success in the OHL. And I don't think it was as much of a criticism of Stutz as it was just an opportunity to turn the page and go a different direction. Obviously, fans are upset because it hasn't worked out over the first 10 or 15 games with Ontario. But uh, Robo you know, did a phenomenal job with, uh, with the U.S. National Development Program. He was a hot commodity. And there is something to be said for a 39-year-old coach trying to get through to to young players um time will tell i said it at the time that he was hired i said it right on this program dennis time will tell if he was the right hire or not because what you're asking him to do now is more than what he's ever done before because he's stepping up a level right Right. so i'm not ready to write the obituary on robo just yet uh but that's the answer to your question anything to add to that dennis
1: yeah i will say this so let's be real here, the credit to the players who are up here who are developing, like Anderson, like, you know, like uh, – Valardi. Yeah, Valardi. That's that's Stuthers. Now, on the flip side of this, guys, and I've been taking hits left and right every time they lose a game, but I will say this. The guys coach 13 frigging games. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to fire the guy 13 games in to a new job. Like, he's come – his track record and body of work developing players – like is on par with what they wanted, so that so with respect to the timeline, fine. This is the cho- and you met. They made a choice. They want to go with it. Is this guy qualified based on his body of work? Yeah. Is it a step up? Like you said, yeah. But after 13 games, you're gonna come on. Really? Like, you want to make a decision two years from now. Like, yes. give this guy an opportunity to work with this talent. And look, I joke, and I, I, you know, I throw arrows and darts at the record. I get that. But give the guy the opportunity to work with these players, do what he did at the U.S. National Development Team, and hopefully he replicates his body of work here. The say 13A, should they make a change? I'm like, what's the change you would make? The only possible change you could make, John, would be to rehire. Mike Sellers and not going to do that. So let it breathe, give it time. Even though I poke fun at their record and things of that nature, it's certainly not the time to make a change at this point in time. You, you hired this guy for a reason, let him do his work and see what the results are.
0: Okay. A couple of other questions in here to, uh, to get in before we wrap up today's program. Is there, this is an interesting one, I think, is there any one player that you would not want Seattle to take? I have my player. Do you have a player?
1: Um, uh, one player that I wouldn't want them to take. Depends who they're gonna. Well, you go. All right. Because it depends who they would. Who they would protect
0: yes and so right. yes shameless plug time we recently put up an article talking about this is the the latest uh thinking about who they would protect mm-hmm. and why that article is up on mayor's manor we're going to do an update to that here coming up the next week or two and so it is an evolving situation leading into the the uh the expansion draft it looks like they are leaning more towards uh protecting three defensemen which also ties back to Kale Clegg, uh who we talked about earlier All of this being said, Dennis, uh, my, my answer to that question is Dustin Brown. Dustin Brown was left exposed in the Las Vegas expansion draft. You have to believe there's a good chance, a very good chance, that he'll be left exposed in the Seattle expansion draft. And I would not want Seattle to take, from a Kings perspective, I would not want them to take Dustin Brown because I think that His story needs to be told from beginning to end in Los Angeles. He needs to retire in L.A. King whenever that is at some point in the future. So I would not want them to take Dustin Brown.
1: Yeah, um, I'd concur on that, certainly. I don't think that would be the option that Seattle would go through because, and again, the, the, the players of consequence who are young aren't aren't draft eligible yeah they're all they're protected eligible, right <laughs> yeah so they, so you're not gonna you're not losing to the, to the expansion draft right so that that's that's the other challenge the other issue i don't i can't really think about i mean i get the dustin brown thing right and i don't think anybody's picking jeff carter with respect to that i don't think i think that would be retirement so yeah i would agree with you that if, if i would hate to see dustin lee because now look at him now as a revival of, do i think he's going to replicate so i think he's going to if they play 82 games next year scored a 44 goal pace like he is this season. No, but he's still a central part of his team. He still needs to mentor the youngster's coming through. So uh, I'll concur with you that Dustin Brown would not be a player you'd want to lose.
0: Yeah. In draft. Uh, next one here. Are they ready to keep Kapari up with the big club or do they want him back with the rain for more seasoning uh, benefits of waiver exemption? Um, he has a higher now. Then he goes into commentary uh higher ceiling than 46. I'd love to see 11, 13, 89, 28 down the middle for the remainder of the year. Uh, when 28 is healthy, of course, he's talking about Jod. Is it too soon? Um, yes, it probably is. Kapari um, is probably headed back to Ontario sooner rather than later. Again, once everybody is healthy, uh, I would agree with you that he has a higher upside than than Blake Lazat. That is true. They're very different players, and Blake was hired, not hired, Blake was signed more to be a bridge player than anything else. Uh, but the larger answer to your question is, no, I don't think that they're ready to keep Kapari up with the big club just yet. Dennis?
1: Um, I, I need to see Jod more. Yeah. That, that's my goal with respect to this team. So Kapar can wait. He's 19 years old. He can go back there and keep on developing with Robeski. But for me, I, I this whenever he's healthy... Uh, you got to put John in every game like I just John he teased us like that 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 stretch of games those three games you saw what he can offer I want to see that I want to see more of it so that would be my focus with respect to the roster and if it's at the cost of having Kapari play in um, Ontario I'm all for it.
0: Yeah and I think that's that's the salient point right there DB is that and I, and I've tried to say this to other people when they're like well why isn't this guy playing well hold on in order for that guy to play, give me your lineup. Show me the 12 forwards that you're playing. Show me the six defensemen that you're playing. Because it's very easy to say, well, put Austin Strand in. Well, how do you go about doing that? What are you suggesting, right? So, in the case of Kapari, how are you going to have Jod and Kapari in the lineup? Show me how you're going to do that with all of the forwards that they have. That would mean more than probably just Michael Amadio going on waivers. And some people might be okay with that. You know, putting an Austin Wagner on waivers or whatever. But the point is, in order to uh, ice that lineup that was just suggested there there would be other roster moves and so dennis your point is is very clear which is and i agree with 28 is the priority right now he's the one who needs to be playing on a nightly basis and then you sort of figure out the rest of the bottom six after he's in the lineup um, here's another question uh, this one's not kings related but division related do you think mark andre Fleury leaves vegas for pittsburgh at the trade deadline this year i say no
1: no he's he's gonna be a vest in the finalists. The guy I would trade would be Robin Leonard. They made a mistake there. They should undo the mistake, trade him somewhere else, and they don't have that. They don't have that issue. But I don't think they'll do that. I think they'll ride and die with both guys. But Mark Andre Fleury ain't going nowhere. He's gonna he. If it wasn't for Vasilevsky, he'd be the the, best in the winner. So absolutely not. And he's a leader on that team. He's the original guy that came in. John, he was the first guy. He was guy number one to be picked. Come on, he was in, on the stage in Vegas when the expansion draft happened. So no, I, I'm not trading off Mark Andre Fleury. I think they'll be forced. the guy would trade from that goaltending tanner would be robin
0: Leonard. uh it wouldn't surprise me to see jonathan quick in pittsburgh but that's a different story for a different show yep. uh that question right, was Joe. not asked um any idea what the terms of the new media deal are with espn well i'll just say this it was the worst kept secret in hockey everybody is known for quite some or known is, is used in quotes i guess air quotes like joey on uh friends but um it was it was highly believed <laughs> that, uh, the, that the NHL would be splitting their TV package uh, similar to what the NFL does, where they spread it around to several different networks and not have it as an exclusive. And ESPN, with their uh, streaming platform, ESPN+, Plus, Um, They're looking for content. That's really what this deal is largely about for them, much like the deal that they did with the UFC. And so uh, do we know the terms of the new deal? No, because it hasn't been announced officially yet. But you will see games across all of their networks, ESPN, ESPN2. uh, And here's the key to this, Dennis. ESPN and, and and you can have a, you know, people have different opinions about this, right? Some people say, if ESPN truly is the leader in sports information, they should cover all of the major sports. That's one side of the coin. But the flip side of that coin is ESPN, without saying it, overtly saying it at least, they, they make a very strong, they make it known very strongly that if you're not in the ESPN family, if you're not in their portfolio of sports, they're not that interested in covering you. And this was one of the key reasons that UFC went to ESPN when they left Fox is they wanted to get the coverage from ESPN. And there, there's a direct correlation that if you are on ESPN, to the amount of coverage that they give you, which is their right as a business, right? So the NHL is largely ignored by ESPN, which is why it's funny when people try to use ESPN as a source. Like nobody at ESPN of any consequence is really, you know, breaking news related to the uh, to, to the NHL because the ESPN as a as a as a company as an entity, Dennis largely ignores the NHL. So to get back on ESPN would be a huge win because now they're involved on Sports Center and now they're covered and now it's a, a much, much bigger deal if the league is affiliated with ESPN.
1: Yeah, maybe they bring back NHL tonight. Remember Bill Pito and Barry Melrose. Of course they're I remember. Sure on the Deuce. So, yeah, on the Deuce and I think it's a function of a couple of things, John. Let's give Chris Johnson credit for breaking the ESPN part. We've heard, and Dave Pena has heard, that NBC is going to be the other partner. That deal isn't done yet. The ESPN deal is done. I think that the size of the deal is functioning about, and you mentioned platforms. How many of the games will be broadcast on ESPN Plus? How many will be on the Deuce? How many will be on ESPN? I assume there would be a game of the week or something like that. You know, they do Wednesday night hockey on NBC SN. So there are no deal, terms of the deal but it is. It's essential, John. I agree with you. And it, it, you, you're bang on with respect to this, the business of sport. Like, if you're not on a network, we're not going to give you that much coverage. And mm-hmm. remember, like, who who advocates for hockey and ESPN? I'll give you four people: Lutz Gross, <laughs> Linda Cohn, our pal, and they have two writers, Greg yeah. Wisniewski and Emily Kaplan, and that's it. That's that's the extent of
0: their NHL coverage. And and D B they understand? just let go one of the best writers that covers hockey, and Chris Peters. So give me a break, right? Like they don't care about the sport, or they haven't, uh, you know, of recent time. Yeah, and, and and if they if when they sign this deal, but remember the NBC deal, Dennis, that uh, they're shutting down NBC Sports Network, right? Um, however. NBC as an entity is moving all of their sports content over to the old or what is the current, I guess, USA Network. And that's one of the reasons back that the WWE is moving NXT, their Wednesday night programming is moving to Tuesday to clear out room for the game of the week to then be on USA Network. And and, uh, USA and NBC... Also, they have the, the Peacock platform. Again, it's all about that content. So I think hockey is going to be available in more areas as we move forward, not fewer, Dennis.
1: Oh, well, the, the, the carriers for USA is dwarfs, NBC, and SN. Like, John, you know, I go to, like, when we go on the road, when we used to go on the road, <laughs> yeah. like, for the NHL events, half the hotels... Don't have e- N- NBCSN for an NHL event. Mm-hmm. Like it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Right? So the, the, yeah, no, it's a win moving to USA Network. You m- many more households cover uh, carry USA uh, get uh, on their on their system as opposed to NBCSN. So I agree with you. I think 2022 is going to be a huge year. Hopefully, it's going to be a big contract that'll help with the this, um, getting the salary cap moved up again. But yeah, this is a, a huge opportunity and a long time coming since the NBC deal was was 10 years. and Finally, getting out from under.
0: Here's a, another question, Dennis. Um, I know we have to have patient, patience with Turcotte, but did they make a mistake not taking him over Zegers? Kid looks solid in the World Juniors and already making an impact with the Ducks. I, I have many opinions on this. Do you want me to go or do you want to go first?
1: Please, no, please.
0: Uh, no, they did not make a mistake. It's way too early to, to identify if they made a mistake in taking Turcotte over Zegers. Each player is different in their own right. Each organization is different in their own right. So while Anaheim is choosing to rush Zegers, Again, Anaheim is not really in, in in a playoff push right now. Where the Kings, they believe they are in more of a playoff playoff push, and they're trying to get uh, trying to get that fourth playoff spot. And they don't have the extra roster spots, which is something that Anaheim does have the luxury of right now. You also have to remember that Turcotte has largely been hurt; he's only played a small handful of games in the American League. So, back to my point from earlier, he has not been pushing the Kings to call him up. If Turcotte had come in and maybe put up points like Ziegler did, then perhaps. Um, he would have made a push to get a call-up. But from all scouts, from all indications, and back to those Mayor's Manor prospect rankings, all of the scouting reports that we've given you on Turcott over the last couple of years, we've indicated to you that Turcott was going to need a little bit of extra time in the American League. Remember, he came out as, after his freshman year. That's not normal for a player to come out after their freshman year. Uh, so he's going to need a little bit more seasoning, And also remember this, the Kings were interested in two players at that pick. It was Turcotte and Zegris, and they believed... Uh, and we don't know and we won't know for many years um, that while they're both great players and had great futures they believe that Turcott would ultimately give the organization more in the sense that he has the ability to be a winger as well as a centerman and he plays such an intense I, I don't want to I don't like the comparisons to Mike Richards but it is something that he's going to be hearing a lot more of um, sort of you know in, in the near future uh, Turcott is a very dynamic player and uh, it, it, when he's healthy and when he's going and when he learns how to to train and and play like a pro, people are going to fall in love with Alex Turcotte. So I don't think there's going to be any worry uh, about them not taking Zegras, although it stings for Kings fans right now.
1: Okay, so the companion question, John, is did the Kings make a mistake Picking baffled over Why don't we just pair those two questions together and people can tweet that because it's the same answer.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't think that they did. No. Well, you're right. I think that it's uh it's a it's the it's same answer. It's the same answer because you can't answer yeah. that question today. So, if you play fantasy hockey, congratulations that your that your player is is scoring points for yeah. you and doing all that sort of stuff, but uh, Quentin Byfield was not drafted for this season. Ottawa drafted their player knowing that they were going to put him in the lineup this year. The Kings drafted their player with a roadmap in mind, with a plan in mind for the next, not only one, not only two, but three years. And Same thing with Kaliev. So they, the Kings, they I don't want to say they knew what they were doing because people are going to tell you that they don't know what they were doing, but they had a plan of what they wanted to do and they are executing that plan and it is way too early to pass any judgment um, on that plan. Uh, that's that's my not opinion. Only that,
1: John, John, not only that, it's okay if other teams' players do well. No,
0: it's not, Dennis. It's <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> Don't you spend John. any time on Twitter? That's no, it's point. not.
1: Like, that's the whole point. Like, yeah, Stoops some of those moves that, That's great. <laughs> yeah, it's okay, fans. It, it's not a bad thing. It, it helps everybody, you know right? A rising tide creates all boats. It's not oh, It's not bad that Zeris and Stousler look like comers, right? It doesn't mean that the Kings players aren't going to be comers. It, it's just it's, it's like a Venn diagram. The two circles are not connected. It's not the same. You, it's okay that those players are playing well.
0: Now it's time for rain rehab on Kings of the Podcast. Well, it also ties back to the American League as well for me because people want to get all up in arms about they, they seem to not understand the difference between having the number one rated prospect pool and, and and the your AHL team. Well, if you have the number one rated prospect pool, why shouldn't your American League be dominating the American League team? No, that's not how it works. And you can even work it in reverse. Um, I want you all to go and look up the roster that Stuthers won the Calder Cup with in Manchester, the final year of the Monarchs, before they moved their AHL affiliate to Ontario. I want you to look up and down that roster, and I want you to tell me how many bona fide NHL players ended up uh, coming off of that roster. So they had a tremendous amount of, of success that year in the American League, and it meant absolutely nothing when you look at the big picture in terms of players becoming impactful players at the NHL level at that time when they were winning they had built a roster to win and Stuthers was developing some players to go on to NHL careers and others he was working within the confines of the American League in order to have great success in the standings in the playoffs uh, you know etc this team right now they weren't expecting to win the Calder Cup with they knew what they were doing uh, you can disagree with it, but they knew what they were doing in turning all of these kids pro and bringing in all of these first-year players. It is concerning, though, and it's getting more and more concerning as things go on, um, that the fact that they can't seem to string some wins together. And part of it is the inexperience. Part of it is going up against you know a big team, a more experienced team, say, in a Bakersfield. Uh, but as they start to go through their second time around the league here, which is coming up soon... Um, and they start to see these teams. They hopefully will be able to have, uh, to make some adjustments, and we'll start to see a difference. What really concerned me, Dennis, not to make this all about the Ontario Reign, but it's prospect related. What concerned me um, would be the the last two games. I, up until then, I, there was there was everything sort of seemed like to be okay. This all sort of makes sense. You know, yeah, a couple bounces here and there. You know, mistakes in the game, but man, getting blown out the way they were blown out in those last two games. That is a little bit concerning. So I'm very curious to see how they're going to respond this weekend. Also, because they're going to have the full week off to practice, make some adjustments. And then what's also interesting is you get two different teams. Most of the season has been two game sets, but they're seeing two different teams. They're seeing Tucson on Friday, who they played in the preseason and they've played in the regular season. And they're seeing Vegas on Saturday, who they've already seen a couple of times this year as well. So it's just a one game set with each team, and it's a team that they've already teams, I should say that they've already played before. so uh, that this will be interesting. Um, one last question in here, Dennis. Uh, this one says, um, I get Wagner, but why take Capari out? He hasn't been in long enough to act uh, this he hasn't been in long enough to acclimate to the speed of the NHL yet. I get using 10 uh, Mario because he has a knack for getting a stick on the puck defensively and can pass well in tight in the offensive zone. Uh, nineteen, ten, twenty-seven seems like an odd line, though. So he doesn't like the line of Grunstrom, Amadio, Wagner. Thoughts, Dennis?
1: I don't like it either. But you're trying to win games. You're not. This is not the development team, John. <laughs> like, if, if, if let's put it this way, if with twenty games, with fifteen games left, they're ten points out, and they're in sixth. Yes, I get it do it. Not right now. Not right now. You got to go with the more experienced players. And look, Grunstrom's a tweener. I'd like to see more from him. It's not a perfect line. And I'm I'm done with Wagner, to be frank. Mm -hmm. And he's been scratched for, what, three games in a row now? Yeah, but he might be
0: playing tomorrow night, though, DB.
1: Okay, well, you know, it's it's just, this is not the Kings development team. They play at Toyota Sports uh, Performance Center um, at, at this point in time. So this is not the time to do that right now. It might be if they fall out of the race and you want to have the same question, the same conversation at game 42, then it's a fair conversation to have. But for right now, no, I, I, I get what they're doing. I get, as you say, there's there's a there's a strategic plan here. I can see why they wouldn't go with the younger kids right now in those bottom roles.
0: Yeah, I, I actually do like uh, maybe not how they have the center set up because it was Grundström It was Grunstrom, Lazat, and Luff, and then they flipped Kapari and Lazat, and so last night it was Grunstrom, Kapari, Luff. I do like Grunstrom playing with Luff, um, and if if Wagner goes back in. My whole thing is this. I just don't think there's a need to have double A and Wagner in the same game. I think they're just the same player, uh, one with maybe a little bit more finish, but they both bring that speed sort of element. So um, I did try to uh, sort of backdoor my question today with McClellan to see how set he was on the top six, because, you know, there is another way to put all this thing together. Right. You, You can you Todd could do what he wanted to do there in the bottom six. And and it wouldn't have to come at the sacrifice of Kapari because Kapari can play wing as much as he can play center. Maybe you drop double A out. And, I mean, it's not like he's lighting the world on fire, right? So maybe you drop him out and you try Kapari on that wing, um, which would give you Kapari with Velardi and Carter. And that could be a very interesting line, Dennis.
1: It could be, but... Are you not going to start giving Kempe more time now?
0: Well, and the other thing there is that I don't think that Kapari is ready at this point to, you know, take on that. I mean, because you you do have to reward players. That
1: finisher on wing, John, right? If if I'm going to get the time on that wing... I'm going to give Tempe another shot with Velarde and, and
0: Carter. Yeah. Remember, if,
1: he had that spot, and they demoted him because
0: he had one goal in 14 games. True, true, up, got true. Got
1: five goals in five games, and so you reward him now. Nope. And, and, John, look at the, at the numbers. It's, what, nine goals in 24 games.
0: hmm yeah, Kapari had a hell of a, had a, hell of a finish uh, when he played at the World Juniors. So I wouldn't be opposed to it. But I just think it's way too early. Uh, and, and you're right. I mean, if I'm Adrian Kempe, I'm sitting there wondering, really? Like, look what I've done over the last, you know, handful of games here. And, you, th- and, you know, what, what, did, what did Kapari do in his couple of games that would earn him a promotion, if you will, to the, to the second line? So um, we'll have to see. Uh, more than anything, Dennis, what the Kings need, regardless of the lineup, you, you can use a blender and put them together any way you want. What the Kings need is they need a win. They have uh, played three straight in overtime. They have played four of their last five going into overtime. And uh, it is beyond now talking about, oh, they got a point. Uh, no, they need two points. They need points in regulation uh, if they're to continue their push here. And the next month is critical, Dennis, because I believe it's April 11th. I could have the date wrong, but uh, we're, we're getting to that point where we're about a month away from the trade deadline. Not that okay. the Kings have a bunch of pieces, but as other teams start to move some things around, uh, that this could have a real, you know, determination of how the Kings are going to approach their roster post trade deadline. So, lots to talk about. And uh, DB, another fantastic episode. We had a lot of fun with Hammer. Fun answering some questions from the fans. Anything you want to say on the way out the door?
1: Nope. Always great being with Jay. Let's do another episode soon.
0: All right, DB. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.